Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Food is life. Create and savor yours. If you could sit down and dish in anyone's kitchen, whose would it be? I have a secret culinary crush on Jose Andres, but he knows it. And I have had the privilege of sharing his passion and insight on the radio. I am delighted to share my table with you, and I welcome you to my kitchen. The delicious conversation starts right here and right now. This is our culinary playground where every weekend you will hear from artisans and experts, visionaries and passionate food lovers, and so much more. They share tips and tricks and techniques to help you cook like a chef and bake like a pro. We also talk trends and travel, mixology and wine pairings. It is my goal to feed your soul, so I hope you'll tune in every weekend. I have almost 20 blessed years here on the radio, and I really do believe that cooking so many different kinds of food is a little bit like learning different languages. Being a chef has taught me a lot about people and cultures. It's given me a very dramatic and a very humble position to cook for and love and care for people in many different settings. It teaches me to respect the planet and all of its ingredients. And I continue to thrive on discovery and take on challenges and find poetry in moments because I believe the art is in the details. And I hope that you do too. I hope that your plate is graced with a bounty of delicious things and that you gather with family and friends. And I hope that this show is an inspiration for you for just that. So welcome. There is so much fabulous food in your radio today, and I can't wait to share it. I'm always serving up seconds, of course, at chefjamie.com, where you'll find thousands of free recipes. And on social media, I hope you'll become a friend and a fan for my daily dish, often gluttonous, at Chef Jamie Gwen. All right, here goes. I like to kick off the start of this show, as I have for so many years, with a tutorial of sorts to make you the best cook you know. And if you know me, then you know I love fall. I love fall for so many reasons. Uh, If you live in a place where the seasons change and the leaves fall to the ground in glorious, bright sunset colors, as I call them, Will you invite me over? Here in Southern California, during the fall, I embrace apples and apple cider and the richness of maple syrup. And I love the upcoming food feasts, of course. And I think we should take a moment to honor parsnips because I love parsnips. They're actually a root vegetable that I think to many doesn't sound exciting. They're today with the bevy of carrots available, often confused with a white carrot, but they are absolutely delicious. And especially this season when you're making soups and stews because they add this lovely sweet note. I was first introduced to parsnips as a very little girl because my mother made Jewish chicken soup, which she still does today, the best of any I've had. And she always peeled and chopped a parsnip or two, or when I became older uh, and 
would only eat the parsnips from the broth. <laughs> she, she would peel and chop four or five to go along with the carrots, of course. Uh, they are delicious boiled and they are lovely mashed. And when you puree them to that creamy, delicious texture, uh, they're just phenomenal. You can simply roast them along with your other favorite veg with olive oil, salt, and pepper, and you get something unique and different. Now, By looking at them, as I mentioned, you can mistake them for white carrots, although parsnips tend to run far larger. But there is not a better time than right now to buy them and eat them. So if they're new to you, or maybe they make a regular appearance on your dinner table, here is everything you need to know about buying and storing, and most importantly, cooking parsnips. Now, parsnips are a cream-colored, tapered, winter root vegetable. They are native to Europe, and they made their way to North America during the 19th century. And they have a wide variety of vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. They're really big on fiber. They're brilliant with potassium. They're high in vitamin C. And they belong to the same plant family as celery. They have a nutrient called falcarinol which acts as an anti-inflammatory and an antioxidant nutrient. And they have a wonderfully complex taste. They're sweet, but they contain more starch than a carrot, for instance. And so they have this earthy, nutty flavor uh, that I just can't get enough of. Now, you can find them year-round, but the peak season starts now. They're really absolutely at their best as the weather starts to get colder. And the starch in the vegetable actually turns to sugar. So I always suggest that you look for small to medium roots. You want an ivory color that's pure and a firm texture. If you find parsnips that are soft or shriveled or have blemishes, those are aging or they haven't been held or stored properly. The larger parsnips tend to be very fibrous and they have this tough woody core. The smaller ones are more tender and sweeter for sure. And like other root vegetables, parsnips actually have a really lengthy shelf life. So you can store them in the refrigerator for quite some time. I tend to do that. I get excited to buy parsnips and then I forget they're there. And in fact, just recently I posted on social media a recipe for parsnip and pear puree uh, that I've made for years and years and years. And it's always to my delight to find them in the produce bin. Um, And just recently my son has taken to them and he loves them as well. So... It's in the family. Uh, Parsnips are typically always eaten cooked. They can be eaten raw. It's not very common though. And most of the flavor is right below the skin. So you oftentimes, if they're pretty clean, you can give them a good scrubbing rather than peel too much of the outer layer. And they do oxidize when exposed to air, similar to apples. Um, So they will change color. So if you're planning to use them, let's say for a root vegetable roast, You would want to soak them in lemon water if you don't plan to cook them right away. Uh, Even better than lemon water, by the way, same uh, high level of acid is just a dash of pineapple juice when you're soaking apples, parsnips, you name it. Uh, I find it is less tart than lemon, of course, if you're not looking for that flavor profile. And as for cooking, there is no shortage of ways to prepare parsnips from breakfast to dinner. 
uh, if you love them as much as I do. For breakfast, you could make parsnip hash browns. You shred the parsnip alongside the potato, of course, and grate it into this delicious breakfast hash. And it adds lovely sweetness. And then um, I like bacon and a poached egg and blistered cherry tomatoes on top. Have I made you hungry yet? Uh, As a starter course for lunch or dinner... I love a creamy parsnip soup. I have a recipe posted at chefjamie.com. It's really mellow. It has this luxurious mouth feel. And I like to finish it with a shaved apple and fennel salad, or I'll serve it in a little espresso or demi-tasse cup as um, just a, a... like a quick hors d'oeuvre with cocktails uh, because it's just a taste and you can always put tiny little brioche croutons or crispy bacon on top. And then, of course, you can mash or puree them like in place of potatoes, which I think is a great pairing for roast chicken. And then, of course, there is the simply roasted parsnips. Uh, Carrots and parsnips, I think, are a wonderful combination. Parmesan to add a a lovely crispy crumb. And I roast at high heat at 425 degrees. I put the Parmesan on during the last five minutes so it doesn't burn. Last but not least, if you have not made air fryer parsnip chips, you are missing out because it is the greatest vegan snack They're crunchy and salty and they work great in the air fryer. You literally use a vegetable peeler or a mandolin slicer to get thin strips of parsnip. You toss them in a little olive oil, salt, and pepper, and you cook them at the highest temperature level that your air fryer will allow. You'll uh, season them just whatever way you like. You could do smoked paprika and cumin if you wanted to gild the lily um, until they're crispy uh, you'll air fry them tossing every once in a while. And they do they do air fry a little while to dry out, but they're just so delicious. If you're looking for more parsnip inspiration or can't find a recipe aforementioned, please email me because I'd love to dish with you. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. All right. We are going to eat, drink, sip, and savor the world right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. your appetite every weekend, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. She's a culinary nutritionist, a seven-time best-selling author, the host of Ellie's Real Good Food on PBS, a two-time James Beard Award winner, and so much more. And she is here to share winter inspiration. I am always thrilled and honored to welcome back to the radio Ellie Krieger. 
It is many years ago I share the story. I had the distinct opportunity to sit down and lunch with Ellie. And I am very grateful that she has remained my friend and that she continues to grace this show. And so she's back to get us revved up for 2024, to share her new projects, dish on her freshest recipes, help us find that sweet spot where healthy and delicious meat. And so happy almost February, Ellie, and a belated happy new year to you. How are you, my friend? Oh, same to you, Jamie. <laughs> it's you. always great to be here. And I'm doing well. You know, I it's not my favorite time of the year in the Northeast, I have to say. <laughs> right. But despite that, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the year so far. Okay. I'm glad you are. And I know that you're hanging in there um, because you are in full throttle soup mode right now, girlfriend. I watch the daily posts and we're all looking for soup inspiration and uh, everybody's loving what you're feeding us, uh, you know, literally and figuratively. But what is the soup of the day? Oh my gosh. First of all, I have to say I'm obsessed with soup all year round. So I make a soup every single week of my life. In the summer, it is a chilled soup. It's a gazpacho. It's a chilled zucchini soup. It's a yogurt soup with fresh vegetables and so on. It's a fruit-based soup, whatever it may be. In the winter, it's like really, it's my survival strategy. I mean, make a big pot of soup. And what I love about it is it's so easy to incorporate the most healthful ingredients and do it in such a comfort food way. So, gosh, I just made... um, well, here's a kind of cool thing. I'm going this weekend to a soup swap, which, wow. have you ever been to one or heard of that? It's, a, it's sort of like a cookie swap. But um, everybody makes like a batch of their own soup and you trade, right? Yeah. yeah so everyone so makes cool. six quarts of soup and bring it, we bring it to Central Park and we <laughs> put them all out and then everyone, we do it in rounds and everyone, you come with six quarts of one type of soup, which I'm making split pea with ham. Nice. And then with a dill also and some leeks. And Ooh. it's just so good. Beautiful. <laughs> and But I'm going to come back with six quarts of different types of soup, you know, to, remaining to be seen. So I'm so excited. This is my new soup adventure yes. that I started. Um, I got invited to one last year, and I love it. I remember that. I know we talked about it. And I love that you not only gain soup, right? I mean, you fill your fridge and your freezer with soup. Uh, someone else cooks for you, which as much as I love to cook, please don't get me wrong. I love when other people cook and you gain inspiration. Like, you know, if someone's making parsnip apple soup or there's some combination, right? Or you taste a soup that you make, but theirs is better and you can elevate your own. I, I just, I love the whole concept of it, like from a culinary perspective. Oh yeah. It's a true sharing. And actually for my Washington Post column, after last year's soup swap, I wound up doing a version of one of the soups that I loved the most, which I had never heard of before. And it's just super fun to say. It's a kakaliki soup. Kakaliki and it's, um, soup. <laughs> it's a chicken and yes. leek soup. That's yes. a Scottish soup. And this um, Scottish guy who brought it you know it was like his grandma's recipe and I just um I made a version of it and I love it it has barley in it Mm. and it's just super simple and 
elegant, sort of, in a very homey way. Yes. So, um, so yeah, some kakaliki soup <laughs> crossed my path. Okay, send some, please. I have to tell you, yes. I, I don't think we talk about them enough. I don't think they get their day in the sun. I love leeks. I, I mean, going back in my memory, I can tell you, I remember my mom sauteing leeks before, you know, before the onions or instead of in place of the onions that went into a saute. And so they were always like buttery and sweet and lovely to me, but I think they get forgotten. I will never forget them personally, Ellie. I don't know if you remember, but leeks were my initial challenge on Beat Bobby Flay. And I I oh, had, were they? They were. He pulled a leak from, you know, behind his back. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, thank God, because I had, you know, I had spent weeks on end leading up to competing on Beat Bobby Flay thinking like, what am I going to do with snails and like any crazy <laughs> ingredient you could come up with? And I ended up making buttered leeks on toasted brioche with a poached egg and lemony hollandaise. And oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It was so delicious, but the leeks were the highlight. And I, I really think that leeks should take center stage. I completely agree. I don't know why they're like kind of underrepresented. They're so they're pretty inexpensive. Yes, especially true. in season in the spring, they're like easy to you can get them at the farmers market. Right. I think people are a little bit afraid of cleaning them because they could be kind of gritty, uh, sandy, yeah, dirty. So you really have to kind of get in there and wash them well. But other than that, they're simple to cook. Yeah, I I think just a, a cut down the center, right, and a a good wash in between the leaves, and they are easy to cook. They're delicious, absolutely delicious. All right, more leeks, please. Um, can you please talk about the dried pears you made and shared? Oh gosh, yeah. So I actually um, I love turning fruits and vegetables into kind of like chips. Yes. So of course, kale chips. Okay. Never buy kale chips. Always make them yourself. There's no comparison. I'll just throw that out there. I agree. But basically, you can do the same thing with fruit and with pears, or you can do this with apples as well. Slice them really thinly, ideally using a mandolin, but you can do a chef's knife to to cut it really thinly, and then just bake them on parchment paper at, like, kind of the lowest your oven will go in a way, at, like, 225 degrees. Or if you have a dehydrator, great. Yes. Um, but it's that sort of effect, and then you just bake them, and they lose their water, right, and become crispy, and it concentrates the flavor so much that it's just like this pure expression of pearness and um, crispy, but with a little bit of chew to it. It's lovely on a cheese board, really lovely. Um, It's nice to put in a in a lunchbox, you know, Mm -hmm. just as like a sweet snack for after. Yes. And, you know, there's one ingredient, it's pears. Okay, you could put cinnamon on it if you want. You kind of gussy it up, but you don't have to. I mean, the pear itself has so much nuanced flavor, and it really comes to light by doing this. I feel like you're savoring the season, and you cook so much with the season, and I love that about you and your style, but I feel like when you're drying pears, or I do dried pineapple because I like to stick the spears or or rings out of a, a pancake breakfast or a dessert or otherwise, and my son loves them because they're sweet and s- succulent, delicious, uh, but it it feels to me like you're really appreciating the beauty of the pear, right? You could put them into a salad. You could 
garnish, you could garnish a cake with them. They're, they were just beautiful, by the way. So I went directly to my kitchen. I sliced a pear on a mandolin. I put it in the oven. <laughs> I followed suit. <laughs> you should know. Um, and of the, course you did. Uh, they were delicious. Absolutely delicious. And gone in a second, right? Like before I could even use them. So uh, I don't know how that happened. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. By the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late because Ellie Krieger is here. Uh, the PBS superstar, her most recent cookbook release, Hole in One, Everything Made in One Pot, we've dished on, and One Real Good Thing, her podcast, which we'll get to. Um, for winter comfort food, in the rain and the snow and the cold, if I put cauliflower in my mac and cheese, it's Ellie approved, right? <laughs> well, maybe not just any mac and cheese, okay. but I do have, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, all food is Ellie approved. If you yes. are enjoying yourself, you are Ellie approved. That's what it's about, right. If you are right. genuinely enjoying yourself. And so just savor, enjoy. So I'm a dietitian, and I'm not, and I really believe that food should be pleasurable and that you don't have to say no to anything. I see food as usually, sometimes, and rarely. So, you know, a regular a mac and cheese with, like, a ton of butter and a ton of cheese, I'm just going to have that rarely, right, every once in a while, and I'm going to love every bite of it, and I'm probably not going to eat too much because it's so rich, right? right? But the way I make my mac and cheese, I make it super cheesy, but with enough cheese to give you that, like, ooh, I'm eating mac and cheese, but without so much that it's, like, kind of, drowning in like the drowning in it right yeah. um so i make i make it in a skillet i this particular version that you're talking about i actually i find it really kind of drives home that comfort food love kind of vibe to make something in a cast iron skillet yeah, it's caramelized it right oh yeah definitely yeah so i love utilizing that in the winter time particularly so, um, so this mac and cheese is made in the skillet. It has a good amount of cheese, but it's sort of still kind of light. And I incorporate, I'm always about incorporating vegetables wherever you can. So to me, I'm thinking, hmm, cauliflower works great, right? Just to cut it into little pieces. I'm not hiding it necessarily, but I'm, it kind of weaves in se- seamlessly to the pasta. And also, who doesn't love cauliflower with like cheese, a right. cheesy sauce? So it just sort of made sense. Um, so yeah, so putting some vegetable in there, using a smart amount of cheese and not too much butter and so that it's rich but still light and it has the vegetable. So it becomes something that you could have on the daily, you know what I mean? And, and that sits well. And, and so, with yeah. no guilt, right? I mean, you, everything in moderation, but again, a yeah. part well, of your I don't daily. No, I know you yeah, don't. Guilt helps nobody. That's true. Guilt gets you nowhere. I, I like, agree. If you're going to eat something, eat it. Enjoy it. Yes. Move on. And if it's, you know, it's not like considered good for you, quote unquote, whatever that, move on, right? Yes. Just move on having enjoyed it and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like, I think we wind up getting stuck in this sense of guilt and it winds up becoming a very negative thought pattern. That actually leads us to unhealthy behaviors. So getting out of that mindset, I think, is really important. And I really try to help people do that. And you do it beautifully because I think especially right now 
we are consumed with this weight loss, cleansing, uh, you know, rid your body. And we see it in the media everywhere. And it is a constant. And really feeding your soul, as I like to say, eating, you know, healthfully and well and satisfying your, uh, your palate is what you've always been about. And it's easy to do. It's, it's easy to enjoy food and still, uh, and still remain healthy in, you know, whatever way it is that makes your body feel good. And that's why I follow you. That's why I want to see the daily recipe. That's why I'm making mac and cheese with cauliflower because you're adding that healthy and delicious where, where they meet. That's what you talk about. You're, you're adding that component to my life. I'm so happy that, about that. And we can live like that. I yes. think we wind up living in this place where we're like either where we really have like almost like a moralistic perspective on food, either I'm being good or I'm being bad. Hmm. And it's very black and white. Yeah. And it's very swinging back and forth between I'm being good and being bad. It's like all or nothing. And I think we really collectively need to get out of this kind of like all or nothing mentality. And that's how we're going to find balance um, and, and also emotional balance around it because it can really mess with you if you're thinking, I've been bad. No, you haven't. You just ate something. <laughs> it's just food and you're not bad. No, so, not, And you don't need bad. to be cleaned either, by the way. So I think that we tend to feel like we need to punish ourselves for the holidays or we don't need to do any of that. Um, and we just literally just focusing on nourishing yourself well and what makes you feel good, um, not only in the short term, but in the long term. Sure. So I think maybe sometimes we're just focused on what makes me feel good this very minute. But finding that pleasure point where it's delicious and also nourishing you and making you feel good, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And, and we're following suit. That leads me to ask you about the podcast, One Real Good Thing, because that's really what you're spreading the gospel of, right? The focus on something that feeds your soul. And tell us about it, because it's a hit. Congratulations to you. Yeah, thank you. I'm yeah. so enjoying it. So One Real Good Thing, and every week I focus on one thing you could do right now to propel your life in a healthy direction. And so it's food, and I'm talking to great culinary experts who are, you know, I just talked with um, um, Grace Young, who talked about how to level up your stir-fry and why stir-frying can be such a helpful way to cook. And we really went and dove into, like, she spilled on what her, you know, the actual low-sodium soy sauces that she actually likes, which I didn't expect her to even have any. So that was really kind of cool. That is cool. Um, so we're talk- I'm talking about food, but I'm also talking about um, lifestyle, fitness, happiness. I-, I talked with Tal Ben-Shahar, for example, who started the Happiness Studies, um, the uh, Happiness Studies Institute. I'm, I'm probably naming it wrong, but uh, at Harvard University. And he was incredible, and he was talking about the one thing he thought that we, to, for people to do to make themselves happier, and this is backed by research, is make other people shine. Make those around you shine. So not even focusing on yourself. And we had this wonderful conversation about how that brings happiness to your life. Mm. And um, so things like that. So it's food, it's lifestyle, it's happiness, it's fitness. Um, ha- staying motivated and things like that. So it's been really fun 
um, for me to get to know these experts and talk to them and to see health and well-being as like a real 360 encompassing all of these things. I love the mindfulness aspect of your podcast, um, and I do find it very motivating. So kudos to you. We're loving it. Um, okay, before I let you go, uh, do you have a favorite chili recipe for the big game? Oh, my goodness. All right. So first of all, I was actually noticing this the other day, that I have a different chili recipe in every one of my seven books. <laughs> and that is how much I love chili. That is a testament to love- chili. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I was like, how is this possible? But I have a white bean turkey chili. I have a, um, a chipotle black bean chili with orange. I have a three bean confetti chili. I mean, really, I can't pick one. But what I do love, what I can tell you is what I do love to do when I'm, like, hosting is I put a big pot of chili up, sometimes two, like a meat one and a vegetarian one. And then I just put out all the fixings, and I make it like a chili bar. Yes. So everyone just comes into the kitchen and makes their own chili, and it's warm on the stove or it's in a crock pot or whatever. And then I, it's so effortless and so fun, and everyone loves it. Yeah. So I do suggest that for, like, these upcoming, like, game day and Oscar parties and stuff like that. Fabulous. And I love that your that the continuing theme of your chili is beans, right? So you, you're packing it with protein, you're getting all the goodness of it, but it's still like hearty, feed your soul comfort food. I mean, that's the best thing about a pot of chili to me. Um, I, I think it's like having a personal nutritionist by your side. One, It feels very one-on-one and there's something beautifully intimate about that connection. So um, we are all very pleased that you're doing it. Please keep it going. We're reading the Substack. We're listening to the podcast. We're living our best lives because of at Ellie Krieger. It's Ellie underscore Krieger. You can watch on your local PBS station, of course. Uh, You can check out Ellie's most recent bestseller cookbook, Hole in One. Uh, You can listen to the podcast, One Real Good Thing, on every streaming platform, wherever you listen. And of course, you can go to elliekrieger.com and find a recipe for dinner tonight. I love when you grace the show. I am... uh, ever grateful for our continuing friendship. And I thank you for keeping us in real good food, Ellie. Thank you. You're the best, Jamie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon and we'll stay in touch. Uh, We have the best culinary thinkers on this show. She is Ellie Krieger and she is one real good thing. Let me tell you. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, grab a snack. Come on back. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this. where informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. As seen on CNN, loved by critics, and set to release at the end of this month, 
There's a new cookbook for families featuring real-life recipes from great chefs in 30 countries around the world. It's what they cook for their kids. So cool, right? And moms like me and daddies too are getting a glimpse of what parents that double as professional chefs serve to their children. And I love this book. It's also for the culinary curious, because let me tell you, the recipes are inspired and fabulous. And I am delighted that Joshua David Stein is here to dish. He is a restaurant critic, a food journalist, a children's book author, and an editor, in fact. He has co-written food books and children's books, and he is a contributing editor to Fatherly, the leading digital media brand for dads, and he joins us live from Brooklyn. I'm so glad to have you, Joshua. Welcome. This had to be a really fun project. It was a fun project. (laughs) Um, It's also a project that was born out of necessity. Because I have two <laughs> young sons who are seven and nine. And um, as much as I love food and I love to cook, they would not eat anything I made. <laughs> and I got tired of ordering. Um, yeah, and it's smart. But you dug a little deeper, and I love that. I love the personal stories from these best-known chefs. And you can tell, for all of us that love food, they share love through food for their children, which are definitely the most discerning diners, right? You talk about backlash with your kids. My son is too young for backlash. He'll, he'll eat anything right now, but I know the time is coming. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of my, my take on it a little bit is that a lot of it has to do with food, but so much of it also has to do with the dynamics of the relationship outside of what's actually on the plate. I think for me, food became, with my older son in particular, um, a place for him to assert his independence, um, which, of course, you know, I want him to be independent, but I also want him to be fed. Right. And <laughs> that caused a lot of um, <laughs> tension. Yes. And I think that what was interesting about, you mentioned those other side stories, that they come across in the head notes and the sidebars of the book, is that... I'm not alone in struggling with that, and even the world's greatest chefs also struggle with that. And I guess, see, that that's kind of normal, and they're not, it's not so personal to have those kind of struggles. Sure. I, th- I think it's a wonderful reality check, and there is um, certainly a way to relate in all of it, right? I there, there's an empathy in it. Um, I feel your pain because, I, as I mentioned, I, I know it's coming. Um, but to read from the best chefs in the world, I have a very dear chef friend who's very high up, and I speak about him often. Um, but he used to talk about how his kid would only eat peanut butter and jelly. So he yeah. searched out like the best peanut butter anywhere, right? And he made homemade jelly because he was committed to the fact that if this is all you're going to eat, at least I'm going to make it gourmet. Now... Um, there is a, a moose boil up and a kangaroo yeah. tail recipe. Yeah. I, I might not make those for dinner, albeit I'm very impressed that those chefs are feeding their kids well. But I can't wait to make the roast chicken with noodles in Asian style from the UK chefs. Yeah, I think um, the recipes are from around the world. So naturally, um, it was the Australian chef with the kangaroo tail, which you can substitute oxtail yes. if you are interested. Thank you. And the moose boil-up is from a Newfoundland chef, 
uh, Jeremy Charles. Mm -hmm. And that was something that he makes for his daughter after he goes hunting. Um, but it's a way for him to use that, um, that protein or that animal, really, and mm. teach his family about what it means to hunt. So, you know, there's lessons sort of embedded in all of these dishes. Yes. As there are for civilian parents, too, of course. There is a beauty to cooking for and with your kids, and you have, um, you have compiled all of it, and between two hard covers, front and back, really created a, a beautiful compilation of recipes that we would never otherwise uh, been able uh, well, to try and taste and share. So thank you. Well, you said something that I really liked. You said, I felt good about myself when you read that head note. And yes. To me, that's like basically how I, that's what I want parents mm. to have a hard time. And being a parent's hard. It is. Um, no I doubt. want them to read this, get there's a hundred wonderful recipes for their kids, but also I hope there's validation and support. Well, you've done so. So kudos to you. Another successful book from author Joshua David Stein. It is called Cooking for Your Kids, and you can pre-order now on Amazon. It is already a buzz, and the book is just beautifully put together. It's called Cooking for Your Kids. The author, once again, Joshua David Stein. Check it out. And of course, you can follow Joshua and his daily kid escapades uh, uh, on Instagram at Joshua David Stein. Joshua, it was a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your passion. And once again, congrats. Thank you so much. I yes. appreciate it. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration, travel planning, Oh, and so much more. I hope that I delighted your palate and that you will tune in in the weeks and months and if I'm so graced, years to come every weekend for lots more fabulous food. I always like to leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of um, culinary conversation for the week. And if you're ready for some football, I love a football party almost as much as the football then I have a new wing recipe for you. Oh, yes. Do you know agrodolce? You have to sort of roll the G. It is um, actually an Italian term for a sweet and sour sauce, really. Um, and I happen to have a very tart palate and a very sweet palate. How about you? Well, combine the two together and you get what is, I think, one of the most exquisite sauces just about anywhere in the world. Well, you take that agrodolce sauce and you throw it over grilled or roasted chicken wings and oh yes, this is actually a spin on the traditional, but I combine white balsamic vinegar with sugar and crushed red pepper flakes. It is a three ingredient wonder. You simmer the sauce till it thickens, you cook the wings as you like, and then you toss them and dig in. I am going to post the recipe on social media now at Chef Jamie Gwen on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And so I hope that you steal it and love it. And I hope that your team wins. And I will meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is so much more delectable to share. Once again, I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.